Hello, listeners of the Book Cooks Tax Podcast. I hope you're having a great day. I am your host, Bo Choi, and I believe today's episode will be especially informative as we have two very special guests who have graciously agreed to share their knowledge with us. With the presidential campaign currently proceeding, I thought it was apt to talk about President Trump's tax returns. To share with us their findings and observations, I'd like to introduce Mr. Lane Hooper and Mr. Addison Love. Please say hi to the viewers. Hi, Bo. Nice to see you, Lane. Happy to be here as always. Good to see you, Bo. Addison. So today we're talking about the highly anticipated details of President Trump's tax returns. Can you give me a brief overview on what's been happening and why this is such a big deal? Sure. Uh, the sitting president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, has been under longtime scrutiny for the secrecy with which he has withheld his tax returns. In a turn of events that one might call distinctly 2020, those tax returns have been allegedly obtained by the New York Times a mere month before the election. In a bombshell article released on September 27th, they go into great depth on these returns. Yeah, and some of the headline-catching highlights include a measly $750 Line 56 income tax total on Trump's 2016 and 2017 returns, hundreds of millions of dollars in losses across Trump's core businesses, and an alarming $421 million of personal loan debt becoming due mostly within the next four years. Those are certainly some interesting details. Much of the criticism of Trump has been focused on the $750 he owed in income taxes in 2016 and 2017. I know most Americans sitting at home are wondering how it's possible that a billionaire like Trump paid so little in income tax. How did the president pull that off? One of the main things that Trump and his accountants uh, used to his advantage are called net operating loss carry forwards. Now, prior to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, a major tax avoidance strategy utilized by many businesses was the application of current year losses to prior year gains, uh, which results in a tax refund. Alternatively, the application of current year losses to future year gains, uh, which results in an income tax deduction. So the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act actually limited the strategy quite significantly, as after the act was passed, NOLs can be carried forward indefinitely, but can only offset up to 80% of taxable income. The carryback provision was also removed. Now, net operating losses are covered by the IRC in Section 172 and still remain a prevalent tax avoidance strategy, uh, but they're not quite as lucrative as they once were. Addison's definitely right about that, but fortunately for President Trump, he was really able to get his money's worth prior to these NOL changes. One of the most shocking things to me personally is just how big these lost carry forwards are for Trump. For instance, he bought his largest golf resort in Miami in 2012 for $150 million. And through 2018, that resort alone has reported $162.3 million in losses. Since 2000, Trump has reported a total of $315.6 million between all of his golf resorts. Trump Corporation, his real estate company, has racked up $134 million in losses over that same time span. Trump Tower and Apprentice Royalties really seem to be Trump's only bread and butter. 
In 2018, Trump stated in his required financial disclosures that he had made at least $434.9 million. The tax records, however, deliver a very different portrait of his bottom line, $47.4 million in losses, thanks in large part to these huge net operating loss carry forwards. Those numbers are concerning. Now, Trump said in 2016 during a presidential debate that he loves depreciation. Could you give us some details as to how or what he has been doing? Well, President Trump has often said that much of his losses are more accounting magic than money out the door. But when the details of his tax returns from the 80s and 90s were released last year, President Trump said that the depreciation was the reason for the losses and even mentioned in a tweet that most of the losses were non-monetary. It should also be mentioned that although depreciation isn't necessarily a panacea for taxes, as a real estate developer, President Trump actually holds particular advantages that others don't have, such as being allowed to use real estate losses to reduce taxable income from his other activities. Ultimately, however, his tax records show that he has lost portions of his fortune even before all this depreciation is factored in. In the New York Times article, there's a substantial section concerning consulting fees that President Trump wrote off as business expenses. It's speculated that these fees were at least in part paid to some of his family members. What can you tell me about these expenses? So we don't have heaps of information on the nature of these consulting fees that Trump classified as business expenses, but I'll start with what we do know. From 2010 to 2018, President Trump has written off roughly $26 million in consulting fees across his various businesses. Now, these fees were usually around 20% of his total income, so they were uh, sizable deductions. We think it's reasonable to assume that much of this money went towards members of his own family. Uh, For instance, Ivanka Trump's financial disclosures made when she joined the Trump administration in the White House revealed payments from consulting companies uh, amounting to $747,622. This amount exactly matched the consulting fees claimed as a tax deduction by the Trump Organization for hotel projects in Vancouver and Hawaii. Wow, the exactity of those numbers seems to be a little bit of a coincidence. But using consulting fees as a way to hide income to you or your family members as a business expense isn't a novel thing in the business world. When I came across this article, I wanted to see about other times similar situations had arisen. I stumbled across Little Mountain Court versus Commissioner, where the business owner tried to deduct consulting fees that were most likely either paid to he or his family. In that case, the court ruled against the petitioner due to the fact they had no records to show as far as the reasonable business need of these payments was. In and of itself, deducting consulting fees paid to family members isn't illegal as long as you can show it's a reasonable business expenditure. Now, Ivanka Trump may be a consulting genius when it comes to hotel projects in Vancouver and Hawaii, but that's ultimately something that the IRS will have to decide. So with all this talk of deductions and tax avoidance, what taxes has the uh, president actually paid? 
Well, believe it or not, this isn't the first time that the American taxpayers have been outraged over rich people not paying what they deem a fair share. In 1969, following testimony by the Secretary of the Treasury that 155 people with adjusted gross incomes above 200000 have paid zero federal income tax on their 1967 tax returns, Congress passed the Tax Reform Act of 1969. The alternative minimum tax was thus established, and uh, it can be found in IRC Section 55. This tax is levied on earners whose income exceeds a certain level. So in 2020, for a married filing jointly taxpayer, this level begins at $113,400. A taxpayer must pay a 26% tax rate for the first $197,900 of income above this level, and then must pay a 28% tax rate on any income after that. When an earner reaches the phase-out threshold of $1,036,800, that uh, AMT exempt $113,400 is phased out at 25%. So a taxpayer who is subject to the AMT tax must calculate their tax liability twice. The first time, the taxpayer calculates their liability like any other person. But the second time, the taxpayer must calculate their tax liability under certain AMT rules. Uh, the higher of these two numbers becomes the taxpayer's liability. Additional guidance on the alternative minimum tax can be found in IRC section 56. And Trump paid this alternative minimum tax in seven years from 2000 to 2017, totaling $24.3 million. And that's certainly not a small amount. However, compared to the hundreds of millions Trump claims to have been bringing in every year, that isn't really too big of a drop in the bucket. Now, it's not necessarily a bad thing that Trump paid the AMT. If anything, it's a good thing the IRS has implemented a way to keep up with the tax avoidance strategies utilized by the wealthy. Lastly, much ado has been made about the amount of debt that President Trump has coming due within the next four years, as well as his ongoing court dispute with the IRS. Staying strictly on the tax side of things, how concerned should we be for the president, or is this all just political slander? Well, I don't think there's any scenario where the amount that Trump owes uh, that's due within the next four years isn't concerning, especially for a sitting president. There is a $100 million mortgage on Trump Tower due in 2022, as well as $421 million in personal debt due within the next four years. And unfortunately for the president, there doesn't appear to be that large of a piggy bank to draw from. He's already withdrawn $95 million from his Vornado partnership in 2012. He sold off what appears to be the majority of his stocks with less than a million dollars in securities being left to sell. And the cash on hand across his various businesses totaled only 34 million in 2018. To make matters worse, the two businesses carrying the majority of the debt, uh, the Doral Golf Resort and the Washington Hotel, are both struggling financially, uh, making refinancing a problem. Right. And especially with the pandemic and the economy being the way they are, Trump's heavy investments into brick and mortar spaces and luxury resorts are unlikely to provide much relief. Lastly, Trump's been in a 10-year-long audit dispute with the IRS. If the court decides against the president, Trump could owe up to $72 million to the IRS. So is there any hope for the president? Well, fortunately for Trump, the personal debt he has guaranteed could help him in the future. 
While business owners can use losses to avoid taxes, they can do so only up to the amount invested in the business. But by taking personal responsibility for that $421 million in debt, Mr. Trump would be able to declare that amount in losses in future years, which would only add to his substantial loss reserves. Additionally, Trump and his businesses have plenty of assets left to liquidate, while liquidation would obviously be a hit to the Trump brand's prestige, it could prove to be a life raft should he need it. Thank you, gentlemen, for your time and for sharing your observations. I feel like the viewers had a lot to take away from today's discussion about President Trump's returns. This will conclude this episode of Book Cook's Tax Podcast. Thank you for listening and join us next time for uh, when we talk about all things tax. I hope you guys have a great day.